This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, February 9th, 2024. I'm Caleb Brown. The fight over federal surveillance of Americans is back just a few months after Congress kicked the can down the road. And as that reform rages, there is a relatively new wrinkle. U.S. intelligence agencies using ad-based spyware to collect all manner of information on you. Cato's Patrick Eddington comments. I get ads on my phone. I get ads in web browsers. I get ads served to me all over the place. Uh, For a while there, it was uh, ads for things I had just purchased. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Which I thought was kind of funny. It's like, like, hey, remember that thing you just bought? (laughs) Buy some more. Need another one? (laughs) But the, the notion of using that kind of targeted, highly targeted, and in my case, uh, advertising as a surveillance tool seems pretty new, frankly. Our, our difficulty, of course, is that, you know, some of this stuff, you know, has been around for a while. And once in a while, it's really good to get a reminder uh, about exactly how pervasive this stuff is and also how it can potentially be, you know, turned against us. So we had a, a circumstance uh, very recently where the folks at uh, 9 to 5 Mac, which is, you know, one of the Apple industry publications, and I, I get their RSS feed on a daily basis to just kind of keep keep up with what's going on in the Apple world. And they had a piece um, on the 25th of January of this year in which they revealed the fact, their, their reporter in this case, Ben Lovejoy, revealed the fact that there were a couple of firms out there that had done some research on some of this stuff and found that one particular kind of ad spyware, this is the, the lingo that's often used to describe this stuff, is called patterns, and that's P-A-T-T-E-R-N-Z, and, you know, according to Lovejoy, and this is a quote from the piece, pattern strikes deals with smaller ad networks willing to engage in shady practices to gather the device fingerprints and to use them to trigger surveillance. And so what we're talking about here with something like patterns is the ability of it to capture your device type, your operating system, the places that you might have visited if you had GPS enabled and other digital data. And then that's basically bundled up and it's made available for sale uh, in, in part of this whole real-time bidding that takes place for this kind of stuff. And of course, Lovejoy points out, the problem is that security services can pose as an ad bidder. And this is exactly you know why we wind up with the problem that we have, where FBI, DEA, ATF, DHS, HSI, CBP, you know, the the full alphabet soup of federal law enforcement acronyms have the ability to basically go and and get this kind of data. And then the second thing that, that Lovejoy talks about in this piece, and this is, you know, having to do with Apple devices, is essentially using push notifications to gather, you know, additional data on what you're looking at, where you're going, how long you're on it, you know, system uptime, the keyboard language in question, all this kind of stuff, right? So this this kind of information gets bundled, it's made available for sale. And the reason that this, of course, concerns me is, is not, I don't care how many Patagonia ads I necessarily get and all the rest of that. That's, that's not the big deal. What I worry about is, let's say, gun owners oh, like myself uh, and other folks who, you know, go to a given site and, you know, let's say Optics Planet, which is one of my favorites because you can get all kinds of great things there, whether it's scopes or rail risers for your AR or any anything else you might be uh, in the need of, that kind of data is getting collected. It's potentially available. If you go to Magpul, you know, which makes a lot of aftermarket accessories for modern sporting rifles, 
you know, you want to get a new rail and sling adapter, you know, for your weapon, you know, that kind of data gets captured. And then if you want to go over, you know, to an actual vendor uh, of, of modern sporting rifles like LWRC located over in Maryland, uh, you know, you take a look at some of their ARs uh, that you're thinking about or other weapons for that matter. And that data, again, gets captured. And the the big concern that I have is that unless and until we get a system in place that basically tells the federal government, you want that kind of data, you need a warrant, this stuff is going to be available. I mean, the only manufacturer I've seen so far kind of gives people a heads up on this is Daniel Defense. And they make uh, absolutely outstanding weapons. And they say on their landing page, they've got an actual option on there which says, quote, do not sell my personal data. And so I, you know, I give them a shout out for you know, doing it the right way. I think in light of the fact that the FISA Section 702 debate is continuing to rage, uh, folks may recall that there was an extension that was passed at the very end of 2023. That expires on April 19th. And one of the critical things about one of the bills that's in play here, the bill that's been offered by Mr. Biggs of Arizona on the Republican side and Ms. Lofgren of California on the Democratic side, is that it would close this kind of loophole. This data broker loophole is generally what we refer to this thing as. And that would, if it were enacted, require FBI, et cetera, to have to get a warrant if they want this kind of data. So that's what's at stake here. And that's why this particular article by 9 to 5 Mac really caught my attention. Uh, and of course, I'm trying to do what I can to bring these facts to the attention of folks on the Hill as this debate takes place, because I think this is certainly something that needs to be factored into the equation when it comes to whether or not FISA Section 702 is reauthorized. You alluded to this, but the Section 702 debate, which enables a great deal of uh, surveillance of Americans. I was surprised to learn in a conversation with Rand Paul, who is my U.S. senator in Kentucky, mm -hmm. that that uh, reauthorization uh, that was passed was just for a few months. Yes. So we get to have this debate again. Yes. So we at least get you know, another bite at the apple, if you will, here. And what's been interesting over the last couple of weeks is to see uh, both the public chatter about the back and forth between Mike Rogers of Ohio, the chairman, uh, the Republican chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, and the back and forth between himself and Jim Jordan, also of Ohio, the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, and Mr. Biggs of Arizona. And of course, you know, Jordan and Biggs uh, were two of the 35 members on the Judiciary Committee to vote in favor of the Biggs-Lofgren bill, that 35 to 2 bipartisan action is almost unprecedented, essentially, these days in Congress. So it really does, at least it should give everybody a sense of how terrified those members are on both sides of the aisle about this particular authority that's been around, of course, for uh, most of the so-called war on terror period. So I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, this kind of a piece and other pieces that are out there raising all manner of issues with respect to FISA Section 702, this will cause members to take a further step back and decide that uh, they really do need to make sure that this provision is in here. Because I will tell you, Mr. Rogers of Ohio, with the help of the National Security Establishment, is doing everything he can to try to ensure that this, uh, this data broker provision is removed from the judiciary bill. So it, it's a real fight, and it's a fight that actually matters for sure in this case. One thing that's worth noting about the way national security officials in the, in the agencies talk about data collection and data storage, yes. it is not uncommon to hear these folks describe collection as a process that occurs well after the data has been collected by the agencies. Yes, 
There are all manner of semantics that our friends at the National Security Agency try to get into uh, in that respect. But I think that Mr. Biggs and certainly Ms. Lofgren and a number of the other veterans on on the uh, House Judiciary Committee are well aware of this kind of nonsense because they've seen it before. And I, I do think, you know, we have to recognize Senator Ron Wyden, Democrat of Oregon, because he is the original author of the uh, Fourth Amendment is not for sale act. It's It's been his passion uh, to try to close this particular data broker loophole for quite a time. And I, I'm certainly glad to see that the House Judiciary Committee has, has affirmed essentially that this is exactly the approach that needs to be taken here. But make no mistake about it. You know, the, the folks in the national security establishment have been working overtime for well over a year to try to basically ensure that this FISA Section 702 authority, which has been serially abused, and I use that term advisedly, serially abused uh, over the last 15 years, is essentially reauthorized without change. And that's insane. They have literally looked at the files of hundreds of thousands of Americans. They have created de facto files on hundreds of thousands of Americans by storing this data. And, and the reality is they shouldn't be storing any data unless there is an actual criminal predicate involving a specific U.S. person. It's that simple. And that's what this bill, if it were enacted and signed into law, would go a long way towards addressing. You highlight gun owners here. Yes. But for anything, any area endeavor in which we use the Internet to do research on a topic, mm -hmm. to go shopping for an item, to learn more, be it uh, our own mental health, perhaps, or some sort of physical ailment we have, or things that interest us in a variety of different ways. Building a profile for you and using that as a pretext for hauling you into court yes. or charging you with some crime, no one who exists in the modern world is immune from that. No, they're not. And when you look at the Federal Bureau of Investigation and its current ability under the Attorney General guidelines for domestic FBI investigations to open a de facto investigation called an assessment, and I've written about this at length, an assessment can basically be opened on you, me, or any person or organization with absolutely no criminal predicate whatsoever just a, quote, so-called authorized purpose, right? And of course, who's deciding what this authorized purpose is? Well, the Department of Justice and the Federal Bureau of Investigation. So, you know, it, it's a great gig if you can get it, you know, just making work for yourself. And that's what a lot of this winds up being, I'm convinced. You know, these are, these are agents, right? And supervisory special agents and section chiefs and all, and everybody all the way up in the chain of command at the FBI, what are they getting rated on at the end of the day? They're getting rated on how many of these bloody things they open. How many assessments do you open? How many preliminary investigations? How many full field investigations? How many enterprise investigations? And then how many times are you involved essentially in a, in a court action? You know, did you participate in getting a plea deal and so on and so forth? So this is the, these are the metrics that are being used essentially to decide you know, who gets promoted. And when you have a perverse bureaucratic incentive structure like that, and you combine that with access to all of this data that they can get without a warrant, it gets you exactly the kind of serial abuses that the FISA Section 702 program has become so infamous for. Patrick Eddington is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please. And thank you for listening. <laughs>